Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. Let's listen to our senior pastor, James Aiden. I am so glad that you are here watching us on Favorite Church Online today. If we've never met, you don't know who I am. My name is James, and I'm on the team here at Favorite Church, and I'm so glad you're here. Isn't our new set amazing? I think it's incredible. Shout out to all our guys. I can't believe that we've got plants back in church. I thought we left them in the 90s, but apparently making a comeback like everything else, and, uh, and it's good, it's fresh, I love it, and I think God's just continuing to do great things in our church. Today, I'm excited about the sermon I'm going to preach. It's a tough message. I'm just warning you uh, straight up about that. You know, I always talk about the gospel. The gospel is known as the good news, and it is indeed the greatest news you'll ever hear, but I also refer to the gospel as the most offensive news. Yeah. Because when you actually get into the crux of what the gospel is, the gospel exposes the sin that is in our life and the need that we have for a savior. And so even within the the Bible and the love of Christ and the love of Jesus, there are some things that we need to look at in our life and say, hey, how do I become more like Jesus? And can I just give you the finish line right at the starting line is this. In order to become more like Jesus, we got to change some things in our life. Today, I'm preaching the title of my message is a call to holiness. A call to holiness. I, I want to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can look. If not, you can look on the screen because we have it up for you. It says this, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and we urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his spirit. Today, God is calling us to live a holy life. But what does holiness mean? Holiness is one of those big, scary Christian words that we kind of freak out about sometimes because maybe we grew up in a church and they kind of taught on it and we got scared about it. Or maybe it's just so lofty that you don't fully understand what it is. A really simplistic meaning of holiness is to be set apart from that which is common. When I was growing up, I loved uh, well, actually, not when I was growing up. I still love basketball, and I love basketball cards, right? I love basketball cards, and I grew up here in the Philippines and in Mega Mall uh, on the third level of Building B. There is this uh, little kiosk in the middle. Come on, some of y'all may even remember the exact one I'm talking about, and they had cards every time my family, we'd go to Mega Mall. I'd always try and convince my dad, can you just buy me? Can you buy? I just, I loved basketball cards. And here's what's awesome about every time you get a fresh pack of basketball cards. It's the excitement of the special insert card that you could get. 
See, because this is what happens, right? You have, in, 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 let, me, let me just tell you what it is, basketball cards. Come on, shout out Beckett for all you old school fans, right? What would happen is we would get a, a pack of cards, and in that pack of cards, the majority, if there was 12 cards in there, 11 of those cards would be common cards, right? They would just be like your normal players. When I grew up, it was people like Bill Lambeer, Tom Chambers, James Worthy, right? All these people. And you would just have these normal season basketball cards where it's just them, their stats on it. But hopefully inside each one of those packets was a special card. It was an insert card. And what you would do is you would go through the pack very carefully, trying to look at what it is. And you'd see, and it's like, oh, da, da. maybe you'd even get a rookie card of someone. But then you would get to that insert. And you know what you would do with that insert? Straight away is that you would set it apart from that which was common. Just to let you know that I know what I'm talking about, I brought today with me my three favorite basketball cards that I have. Uh, this here is an Ultra Fleer 93-94 Michael Jordan uh, Sharp Shooter Special Edition. Um, that, can fetch, that can fetch about $45 on eBay, I checked. Uh, this is Mr. June, Michael Jordan, and this is a special edition upper deck uh, with him. And so, I, so what I would do is, what happens, I would get these insert cards, and I would set it apart from that which was just the common cards. Why? Because it was special. That it was worth more. I wanted to treat it with extra care. In the Old Testament, holiness was attributed to God's perfection and the places that he consecrated for his glory, right? So in the Old Testament, when we talk about holiness, we're talking about the perfection of God. He would consecrate the temple. We would go into, well, not we, but the priest would go into the holy of holies. But then the New Testament happened and Jesus came. And in the New Testament, holiness, the most of the time, was attributed to Jesus as being the very type of ethical perfection. But what's awesome about the New Testament, which is where we live now in the New Testament, in the covenant of grace, is this, is that holiness is not just attributed to Jesus, but it's attributed to us as Christians. It is applied to us, mere human beings, mortals, not just reserved for a perfect God, but now followers of Jesus have access to living a life of holiness. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, 15, he says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it's written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Yeah. Peter is telling us that people that are called to be holy, guess what? you got to act holy. Just as God is holy, and he was quoting Leviticus in that. But Peter's saying, just as God is holy, God commanded, as I'm holy, you be holy. So Peter's saying this, if you're a follower of Jesus, God wants you to live a holy life. We've been called to live holy lives, which means this, we've been called to be set apart from that which is common, which is the world. Christians are supposed to look different to the world. We spent so much of our time trying to look like the world, trying to sound like the world, to be relevant. And, and that's okay to a certain degree. But at some point, there has to come a, a difference between a Christ follower and someone that doesn't follow Christ. And what's that difference? We live a life of holiness. They don't. We have been set 
apart. They haven't. And not because they're not special. It's just they haven't made that choice yet. Now, before we get into holiness and how it looks like and how it's been misrepresented and how we can live a holy life in this messed up world, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. Man, new set, new day, uh, whiteboard. We, we go. Teacher James in session. Now, y'all know I studied for two years in college to be a teacher. And then I gave up and became a youth pastor. And so... You can do more things as a youth pastor. Okay, okay. Before we, before we really talk about holiness and get into this whole idea of what it means to, hold, to live a holy life, let's go all the way back to the basics, right? Uh, here's just your normal graph. Uh, let's say up here, this line here represents heaven, uh, Jesus. Another reason I stopped being a teacher is because I couldn't really write great. Uh, kingdom of God, right? This is like uh, kingdom of God. What? Cog. Okay, be quiet. Um, <laughs> heaven, Jesus, kingdom of God, salvation, you, you know, like, like, you know, living a salvation up, right? So, so this, is, this is what it is, right? So our lives, here's the thing about our lives, like our lives, when we find Jesus, right? The moment, let's just say down here, this is the cross right here. That's Jesus. This is the point of salvation. This is where we have a, oh, I'm a sinner. I need Christ. The moment that we find Jesus, we instantly are positioned. Now, listen to me, because there's a difference between your position and the lifestyle that you live. Your position instantly now is here. You are in heaven. You have been, this line up here, if you want to uh, call another word, you have been justified in, in, in being here. In Romans, it talks about justification. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified, if you want a simple meaning, is this. It's just as if you've never sinned. Right? So the moment of our salvation, we are put up here and we have been justified. We're now saved. We can't earn it. In fact, I love it in Ephesians. I talk about this all the time. It talks about our position in Ephesians. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. See this? We are now alive in Christ uh, when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And ready? I love this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us, raised us up with Christ and seated us up here in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. This is your position, but this is your life. This is what we like to call the sanctification journey. If this is heaven, if this is Jesus, the journey of a disciple of Christ is living their life more and more trying to become more like Jesus. Not to get more saved. You're saved. You're saved back here. What you do over here doesn't make you more saved. Your position is here, but your life, your actions are over here. And so when we talk about living a holy life, You've got to go all the way back to what Jesus did at the cross. And here's the thing. Step one is what he did on the cross. Step two is living a holy life, growing to become more like Jesus. Step two comes after step one. 
And this is where religion gets in the mix of things where we think that step two affects step one. It doesn't. Today, as I talk about holiness and living a life of holiness, the only reason I can talk to you about living a life of holiness is because you've already done step one. You're already positioned up here, but your life of holiness. Now, sometimes we think that living a life of holiness actually looks like this. Come on. That's not the case. What is it? It looks like this. Down, good, up, bam. Three steps forward, two steps back. I'm still further, though, than where I was back here. And so as we're talking about living this life of holiness, we have to understand that this whole, this whole thing I'm about to dive into, it comes after salvation. So how do we live a holy life? Well, it's probably too big to cover in one sermon, so I'm going to try and set it up this week, and then next week we're going to continue on in this. But i got a couple of key thoughts today. The first is this. If we want to live a holy life, we must know God. Let's read Thessalonians again in verse 3. It says this, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in, the passion, not in a passionate lust like the pagans. What does it say here? Who do not know God. Paul is associating the sinful pagan lifestyle with people that what? That do not know God. The result of not knowing God is a lifestyle full of sin. How do we live an opposite life to sin? How do we live a holy life? It's simple. We have to know God. Holiness does not start in your actions. Holiness starts in your heart. If holiness goes... Hand in hand. See, if holiness goes hand in hand with your sanctification journey, then we need to know who we're becoming like. If we don't know where we're heading or who we're becoming like, this is a pointless journey and it'll turn into the Israelites walking around the desert. So we have to know who we're actually becoming like in our God. And listen to me, I'm saying this. You've got to know God, not know church. And if you're watching from all around the world today, I love you. I'm so glad that you're here. But I want to speak into the heart of the Filipino right now because we know church and we know about God, but God does not call us to just attend church. God does not call us to know about church. God does not call us, listen to me, God does not call us just to have knowledge about him that we've attained from reading the word of God. There are people that know more about the Bible than I will ever know, but because I know God, I'm closer than they'll ever be. Knowledge, biblical knowledge, the point of biblical knowledge is not to grow your knowledge, it's to bring you into a closer relationship with Jesus. That's the point. And to know him starts with the revelation of the gospel. This is what Jesus himself said right before his betrayal in John 17. He said, and this is eternal life, that they know you. He's talking to God about the people. This is eternal life. What is eternal life? Okay, Jesus is saying, what's eternal life? It's this, that the people would know you, the true God and Jesus whom you have sent. Eternal life, can I just say, heaven, eternal life, did not, does not start when you die. It starts here when you encounter Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so what's eternal life then? Eternal life is to know who Jesus is. This is step one. Step one is knowing Jesus. It's knowing God. 
That's why it's the first line of the vision of our church. What is it? To know God. It doesn't say to know about God. It doesn't say to attend church or watch me preach online. Woo! Ticked off my religious check for the day. I'm good for the week. No, it's to know God. And once you know him, here's the thing. When you know God, that means that he gets your heart. And we talk about this all the time in our church, and so we should, because God is more concerned with your heart than your actions. Because he knows that if he can get your heart, then your actions will follow. And that leads me to my second point, which is step number two, which is this. We want to live a holy life. We need to change our actions. Let's go back. First Thessalonians again, verse three. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. In verse four and five, it talks about controlling your body, not being like the pagans. And then down in verse six, And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish. Uh, This is in the New Testament. This is not talking about Old Testament God covenant with the Israelites. This is New Testament. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Paul is ramming this point home to the believers, saying, hey, God's called you to live a life, so you have to change the way that you were acting before you found Jesus. He's ramming it home, but this is the good news that I want to share with you today. You don't have to change alone. God has given you his Holy Spirit. God has given you a spirit that can come and can begin to help you. Chapter 5, the very next chapter, this is what it says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, you don't have to do it alone. Let the God of peace, let the God, let the Holy Spirit. Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the helper, as the advocate. Let the helper come and help you begin to change those things that you're doing you don't have to do it on your own but this is what I want to make clear change is critical I I say this a lot and I'll say it again come as you are it's a great tagline for churches it's nice and it's sweet but the reason why I don't love it is because come as you are gives the impression that God wants you to stay as you are and I promise you if you haven't if you haven't had this yet God needs you to change You don't have to change to get this. But once this happens, if you really, here's the thing. If you really encounter Jesus, if you really encounter what Christ did on the cross, your behavior instantly will begin to head towards this line in your sanctification journey. Now, some people head like this really fast. I'm addicted to drugs. Instantly, I'm free. I never want to touch anything again. I don't want to take a drink. I don't want to take a smoke, a puff, nothing. I'm instantly. Some people, it's, 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 like, it's like this journey. Come on. And you all know who I'm talking about, right? As in, if it's you, you know, yeah, that's me. I'm on that journey, right? You know, like, like so, so you can never judge another person's journey. But can I tell you this? If your journey is not heading towards this and it's heading down here, you haven't encountered Jesus. Yeah. You may be in church, but you didn't encounter Jesus. 
You, you may not be where this person is. You may be somewhere here. You may be somewhere here. But guess what? Your position is here. And you're heading towards Christ. But if you're going that way, you haven't encountered Jesus. Because what does it mean? To be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ, which means you're becoming like Christ. Will you make mistakes? Absolutely you will. I make them all the time. We don't have to be perfect at all. We will make mistakes. Carl, quickly, rub that board across because I got something else. Man, I'm using the whiteboard all day today. This is our man, Carl, who's, who's just moved all the whiteboard. So being perfect in church, right, we, we all understand. Thank you, Carl. What a good man. Uh, we all understand it, it ain't going to happen, being perfect uh, in church. And so uh, this is where we have this kind of struggle and this balance that we've done in church. If, if I could just draw a line over here, I want to write uh, legalism, right? Now, some of y'all just shuddered right now. <laughs> right? You're manifesting demons in your, in your room. You're freaking out already. Um, over here... Uh, we've got uh, liberty, right? Liberty, uh, freedom, you know, oh, what a beautiful word, right? Some of you are already like, ah, right? That, that's what I mean, liberty, freedom. Now, he, here's the thing. Um, when it comes to the way that we live our life, uh, the reality is this, is that liberty and freedom represent that the grace of Jesus is what saved you. There is nothing that you can do to get the salvation of Christ, to get eternal life. It's the grace of Jesus has actually saved you. And so what happens is because of the grace of Jesus, his grace covers a multitude of sin. And so whatever sin you do, his grace covers. As long as you are humble and repentive, then his grace covers. Now, this is beautiful. This is great. Now, the problem with this is that some people take advantage of this. Yeah, right. and, and anything in life, if you have too much of it, it's not a good thing. Let's take ice cream, for example. Ice cream. Is there a better food? <laughs> is there a better food Burgers. group? Burgers, maybe, but ice cream. Is there a better food group? You have vegetables, you have meat, you have vegan, and you have ice cream, right? <laughs> That's why I'm not a teacher. I didn't know my food groups, right? And, and so... I love ice cream, but guess what? You have too much ice cream, you're going to get sick. Uh, Now, you can never have too much grace, but if you start using grace as an excuse just to live your life any way you want or however you want, just because grace, well, Paul's got something that he says to that. In Romans chapter 6, this is what Paul actually says towards it. He says, well, then, should you keep on sinning? so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not! That's what he said, of course not! Since we have died, how can we continue to live in it? That's what he said. So remember this down here, when you found Jesus, right? We don't find Jesus so that we can keep living here a sinful life. We find Jesus and he helps us as the helper begin to live a life of holiness. And so this taken to the extreme out of context can be, well, I'm fine. Grace covers me. Paul says, no, because if you truly have found liberty and freedom, then a holy life will come out of you. Now, the other end, the other balance of this is legalism. And what legalism says is that I, in my own strength, can keep the law. 
right? Grace, grace says, I can't keep the law. I, I got no chance. Jesus, grace, beautiful. Legalism says, I can do it. I, I can keep the law. In fact, it's because I keep the law that I have a good relationship with God, and he loves me, and he's proud of me, and all this kind of stuff. And, and this is the, the problem with legalism. Obviously, no one can keep the law. Even in the Old Testament, when the Israelites had to live by the law, no one could keep the law. That's why they had to sacrifice animals in their place to make up for their sin. In the New Testament, which is us, <laughs> no one can keep the law at all. We've tried to in the church. And the problem is this. We have tainted holiness calling it holiness, but really it's legalism. Yeah. Wow. And so we say, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And we, we, we say it's holiness, it's holiness, it's holiness. And we create all these rules that the Bible hasn't even created. Yeah. And we say it's holiness, but in fact, it's legalism. And there's a whole generation, unfortunately, of people that grow up in specific churches that once they become adults, run away from the church. Why? Because they feel like they're running away from the rules of God. Can I tell you, God doesn't have these strict rules that make you feel like you can't do anything. God has grace. He has liberty. He has freedom. And he has boundaries. And the boundaries that he has helps us to live holy lives. Some people are like, I can't handle the rules that God has. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. Give them 10 years and everything that they couldn't do with God will end up ruining their lives. God doesn't create boundaries so you can't have fun. God creates boundaries so that you can live a life that is abundant and to the full. Because he knows, even though the world says, sleep with them, do that, take that, sniff that, put that in your mouth, do everything like that, God says, hey, if you do that, it will feel good initially because sin always feels good initially, but at some point, the consequence of that sin is going to hit and it's not going to be good. So if you just stick by this boundary, you're going to be better. You're going to hurt less people and you're definitely going to hurt yourself less. We sometimes think, over here that God accepts us because of our behavior. And this is where I want to get a little bit just, you are going to have fun. Uh, God never accepts you because of your behavior. God accepts you because of what Jesus did on the cross, which we responded to with faith. We have been justified, Paul said, what? By faith. We believe in, in what Jesus did. And so when it comes to, let me just draw it again, just because it's there. It's all there, right? Ready? The cross is there. When we experience the cross of Jesus, instantly we go up. We are heaven. We are seated up here. It's all here. It's amazing. We cannot do anything else to earn his love. We cannot do anything else to earn his acceptance. We are already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You can't get more seated. All these people are here. You're seated right now. What do you, how, if I asked you, can you get more seated? What would you do? <laughs> I'm lower, I'm lower, right? You can't. Once you're seated, yeah. you're seated. Yeah. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing. But 
I want to refer back to what Paul wrote at the beginning of the scripture in, in the, uh, Thessalonians when he said this, live in a way that pleases God. You know what that shows me? You cannot earn his love. You cannot earn his salvation. You cannot earn your position. But by the way you live, you can earn his pleasure. How do I know that? Number one, the Bible says it. Number two, I'm a father and a boss, which I've learned that I can love someone with all my heart and be 100% displeased with their behavior. Just ask all my staff. (laughs) Ask my children. Come on now, parents. You know what I'm talking about, parents. You know what I'm saying. Right? When, you, when you're a parent and you know, you can 100% love your kid and be completely displeased with their behavior and, and everything. that the Acceptance is not found in holiness, but his pleasure is. And don't confuse the two. See, that's where so religion comes in, legalism comes in. It's when we confuse it, when we think that that it's, it's our acceptance is found in our behavior. No, your acceptance is not. Don't worry. That's why I set the stage at the beginning. I wanted just to have a clear foundation that everything I'm talking about, holiness, holiness doesn't get you saved. Yeah. You got saved. Then holiness began. Yeah. So everything I'm saying is not about getting you saved. I'm not preaching some weird doctrines. No heretical thing. It's nothing like that. It's just, it, it, step one is get saved. Step two is you begin to live a holy life and your actions have to change. So what does this mean? This means that we have to read the word of God and let it convict us of our sin. Yep. We have to let the Bible come in. And Paul is so clear about what will happen when we live an active lifestyle of sin. Now, let me just be clear. There's a difference between uh, being a saint who occasionally sins, which everyone in this room is a Christian, and we've all found Christ, but y'all still sin, right? Really? You do? I told you to stop. And... uh, Right? We all sin, right? We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Our church is a church for imperfect people, but we are, we are saved. We are saints. We are holy and set apart, but still we have a flesh. Paul talks about the battle daily between his flesh and his spirit. We will all sin. We'll all have moments where we sin. But to live an active lifestyle of sin once we've accepted Jesus ready, is to know what we're doing is wrong, and yet we still do it anyway, and we're not humble in our repentance. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. That's what happens. And then in verse 8, which I want to read, this is This is what's so amazing about this, because this is where it takes us away from legalism and church, and it puts us into holiness and God, because this is what verse 8 says. Anyone who rejects this instruction, which is to live a holy life, does not reject a human being but God. 
the very God who gives you his spirit. When we continue to live a life of open sin, where we know the truth and yet we still continue to sin and we don't have humility as a response to that sin, what's God's going to do? We're going to get punished and we are rejecting God. I love it. We're re- what, what Paul says here, we're rejecting God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit to help you overcome the things that we're struggling with. So whatever you're going through, whether it's struggling with substance abuse that you know is against the way God wants you to live, whether it's alcohol, whether it's smoking marijuana socially, which is a, a huge topic where people in the church now are going, yeah, it's okay to smoke marijuana. No, when you smoke marijuana, you become intoxicated, which is the same as being drunk, and God's very clear on drunkenness in the Bible. Maybe it's your sexual immorality. Maybe you're having a sexual relationship that's outside the boundaries of what God defined a sexual relationship to be between one man and one woman in marriage. That's how God defined, set up, and created a sexual relationship. So maybe you're in that right now. Maybe you're in corruption. Maybe you're lying. Maybe you're stealing. There's so many more things. I don't want to read a whole list of things. This is why. Because the Holy Spirit knows more than I do. And wherever you're watching from, maybe there's something that's just going inside of you right now. That is called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that conviction is what I love about the Holy Spirit that's different to the way the devil operates. When the devil comes in and you get that feeling and it's guilt and it's shame, you know what? You know when you know it's from God or from the devil is this. When you have that feeling, it's from the devil when you want to run away from God. I'm not worthy. I'm so bad. Uh And I run away and I continue to do it. You know it's from God when you feel that. I shouldn't have done it. But instead of running away, you want to run towards him. I saw this quote recently. and It's a famous quote. And everyone quotes it differently in their own way. But religion says to people that when they get caught, oh, no, I got caught. I hope my dad doesn't find out. But when you have a relationship with God and live a life of holiness, oh, I got caught. I need my dad's help. We run towards God. The more that you knowingly sin, the more that you you live a life that doesn't reflect the life of what God does. Well, wait, you're saying that I have to do this to be a Christian? No, you, you don't. That's the whole point. You're already a Christian. But if you are a Christian... And if you have encountered the Jesus of the Bible, then you will start to look like him. You will start to get the conviction of the Holy Spirit inside of you. But you have to listen. And the more that you choose to ignore the voice of God, the more that you choose to ignore it when he says, stop doing that, stop going with that person, stop being corrupt, stop lying, stop bribing, stop cheating. The more that you reject that voice, the quieter the voice will be and the harder your heart will be. And and, and this is what happens. You will struggle to enter into worship. You will struggle to feel the presence of God. Why? Because you've hardened your heart towards his voice. God doesn't demand your perfection, but he demands your humility. Humility responds to the lost battle between our flesh and our spirit, and it cries out to God for help to say, Abba, Father, help me. 
God, help me. I want to defeat this. I want to live a holy life. And that's what holiness ultimately comes back to. It's about our hearts. If God has your heart, your actions will follow. Some of y'all are probably listening, going, I struggle. I'm struggling with this. I've been struggling with sin. I've been struggling. I can't defeat. I can't defeat. I can't defeat. Well, my first question would be this. Do you know God? Like know him? Or did you just get emotional one time at a church camp or a conference and bought the book, did the course, but you never truly knew him? To know Jesus truly means that change will come. For some fast, for most of us, probably a little slower, if we're honest. When we know the love of God, his love, and we, when we understand his love, right? When we understand that his love was shown to us through a man named Jesus who died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. We will cry out to him for help, for him to help us in our sanctification journey. God, help me to become more like you. Help me to get rid of this stuff that's in the way. Hebrews 12, 14, I love this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And what? To be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I want to live holy. So I can see the Lord, and everyone around me can see the Lord too. When I live in a holy way, when I live in a holy lifestyle, when I live like I've actually been set apart and consecrated from the common for the glory of God, not only am I going to see God, but people around me are going to see God through me. That's why Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's saying, don't imitate the flesh bit of me. Don't imitate the bad stuff. Imitate the Christ that is inside of me because you can see Jesus in me because I'm living a holy life. Not because I'm perfect, but because I've allowed the Holy Spirit, the helper, to come in and to help change me. I will make mistakes. You will make mistakes. I will fail. You will fail. But as long as we know that our mistakes and our failures don't determine our salvation, that means that even though it may feel like we took two steps back, I can look back and go, you know what? I may not be what I, where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Yeah. How to live holy. We've got to know God, and we've got to change our actions. Next week, I'm going to talk, expand this a little bit more, get into more practical stuff as well, and really go into areas that may offend some people. But that's OK, because it's not me. It's the gospel of Jesus the most offensive good news you'll ever hear in your life. Why? Because God wants you to live an abundant life. But like I said, holiness is only step two. Step one is to know Jesus. We all have sin in our lives. Sin separates us from God. The Bible is very clear that there needs to be a price paid. I mentioned in the Old Testament that they would would, uh, uh, slay and and, and slaughter animals to, to Cover 
their sin with the blood of the animal. Well, Jesus became the lamb that was slain, and his blood poured out, covered our sin, but we still have to make a decision to come to him in humility and with faith, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the only way, the truth, and the life, and no one can get to God the Father except through Jesus. There's not different ways that you can get there. There's not different religions to get there. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus and what he did on the cross. And maybe today you're watching and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before. I want to encourage you, today is your day. Maybe you did this a long time ago, but, but as you went up, you, you kind of dived down. And you sort of stopped going to church and got offended or got hurt or God kind of took a back seat and you know you don't have an active relationship with Jesus. Well, whether you're one of those two people, that's what I want you to do. If that's you and you're going, you know what, that's me. I want you to put your hand on your heart right now, wherever you're watching from, your lounge room, your car, your bedroom, your workplace. Come on, put your hand right now on your heart. If you're with people, don't be embarrassed. Just put your hand on your heart, and we're going to pray a prayer that reflects what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. He says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. We're all going to say it here together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again, that you are the only way to God. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Change me. Help me to become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey. I want to congratulate you if you prayed that prayer. It's the best decision you will ever make in your life. And the Christian walk, can I just give you a heads up maybe of one of my points from next week is this, is that, that little walk where you go up and down and up and down and up and down trying to be more like Jesus, it is next to impossible to do it alone. And God created churches and families in order to help us walk together to do life together. And so please let us know you made that decision, whether it's on Facebook right now, you know, saying yes, or whether you're watching on YouTube or later on delayed, please let us know. Contact us. Write to us. Hey, I made that decision uh, because we want to connect with you and really help you. Uh, in, in your journey with Christ. Hey, for the rest of us, I just want to pray. Next week, I want to minister a little bit longer. But today, I just want to pray for you because there would have been a lot of conviction that happened today. And I want to make sure that the devil doesn't come and rob the conviction of God by turning it into guilt and into shame. So wherever you are, if you feel like, man, God's speaking to me right now, could you just lift your hands right where you are? And I just want to just quickly pray for you. God, for every person with their hands lifted, Lord, you know their story. You know their situation right now. And I pray that whatever conviction is beginning to set in, that it would not be stolen away by the devil, that there would be no guilt and shame, but there would be conviction that draws people to a loving father. God, I pray for us as a church. Lord, this world needs the church to be a holy church. Not a church that looks like the world, but a church that looks like Jesus. I pray, help us. 
Help us to be a holy church, not a legalistic church, not a church that abuses grace on the other side, but God, a holy church that loves you, that is rooted in the foundation of grace, that lives a life of freedom, helped by the Holy Spirit to live a holy life reflecting you, Jesus. God, I thank you for favor, church, that we would be a holy church, that we would never compromise the conviction of the word just to try and be relevant, but we would always hold true to the word of God and what it says, living a holy life. We love you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.